Welcome to Simplify Your Retirement with Certified Financial Planner Stephen Strickland from Wise Wealth LLC. In this podcast, we help individuals and couples plan for a peaceful and enjoyable retirement. Join us on this journey where we explore the importance of simplifying the retirement planning process as Stephen, with his years of experience and expertise in retirement income planning, along with guest experts, will help you achieve first wisdom, then wealth. And don't forget to check out the Simplify Your Retirement online course and other great resources at SimplifyYourRetirement.com. Now, on to the show. Hello, and welcome to Simplify Your Retirement with Stephen Strickland from Wise Wealth. Hello, Stephen. Hey, Paul. How's it going? Going very well. You know, I'm excited uh, for today's topic. Uh, We'll talk about that here in just a second. But, you know, just as a reminder, if maybe someone's tuning in for the first time or uh, they've been following along all season, this season, you know, we've really had a variety of topics and even some guests on the show, too. So we've covered everything from, you know, money magic which was uh, with Larry Kotlikoff yep. and um, had a couple other authors on here too. Um, we talked to David Roselle about mm-hmm. the mountain climbers financial advice, mm-hmm. had a couple episodes with him. We talked about uh, banking on yourself with Mark Willis. Yeah. We had a couple of, uh, a couple of uh, interesting topics here during yeah. the season with, uh, with the whole banking on yourself and even reverse mortgages. And non-financial mistakes to avoid too. Yeah, that's right. With Samantha Lane. And so we have quite a diverse subject of topics today, but the whole point of this is as an education-based financial planning firm, our goal here is education. And so sometimes it's bringing someone else on to talk about a topic that maybe there's confusion around. Uh, Today, I know it's going to be you and I talking about a topic that... uh, we come across quite frequently mm-hmm. when we meet with people and it's a confusing yeah. topic. Yeah, exactly. And uh, and that's what uh, is great about this podcast. It gives us another avenue mm-hmm. uh, for us to use to educate. You know, we look at firstly, we want to, you know, bring value to our clients and we do that through our, you know, meeting process. Uh, we do that through, uh, you know, a lot of, you know, events that we ho- host throughout the year here mm-hmm. in uh, Wisewell Summer Education Series, Wisewell University, and other, you know, speakers that we brought in. So we constantly want to add value to our clients. And one way we do that uh, certainly is by, uh, you know, educating people on various topics, uh, classes on Medicare, for example. But even in the podcast, uh, just talking about topics that we don't get a chance a lot of times to talk about to people when they're in the office one-on-one because it's not relevant to them, perhaps, and it may not be relevant to them, you know, at the moment. It may be discussion. So we like to use our podcast here as a way to just introduce, you know, new ideas, possibly uh, topics that, you know, that at least that we get to speak into and, and maybe give our opinion on and thoughts on. And so that's what's great about this podcast. And obviously we're in season four. And so, uh, you know, this, I know we've done more than 45 episodes already, which yes. is, which is really hard to believe. And so far we still haven't ran out of anything to talk about. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and you know, some people binge on Netflix. Yeah. I think binging on Simplify Your Time podcast is oh, probably absolutely. the way to go. Yeah. The first few seasons, obviously we really laid the foundation and uh, really, you know, anyone should go back and listen to those in the first couple of seasons, especially just about the philosophy of uh, retirement income planning. And obviously season three was all about the, the mission of giving and serving and enjoying life. And then and this season has been great just to introduce, like we said, uh, some different themes, different topics. You know, we always tell everybody there is no such thing as a bad product only a bad fit. And it was interesting as I had the question this week from somebody and the question uh, I got from one of our clients was about I-bonds. And I don't want to get off the subject here, mm-hmm. but, but is I-bonds a good investment? And so my normal answer is, 
there is no such thing as a bad investment, <laughs> only a bad fit. And so uh, just to talk about that, there, there's benefits and limitations to every single investment. Nothing is wrong mm-hmm. and nothing is right. It depends on whether or not it makes sense for you based on your risk tolerance, time frame goals and all those kinds of things. Exactly. And so that reminds me too, you know, for all of our listeners, we are going to here at the end of the season have a uh, frequently asked questions mm-hmm so to speak, a yeah. question and answer session. And so if someone listening to this has a question yeah. that they would like an answer to, uh, certainly email it to us at info at simplifyyourretirement.com. That's info at simplifyyourretirement.com. And we would love to be able to cover that question here yet this yeah, season. It'd be great uh, to hear some questions from uh, the, the uh, regular listeners to our podcast. podcast. That'd be awesome. And certainly we get a lot of questions uh, throughout the year from our own clients and things like that, which we're going to be able to cover as well, which is one that I just mentioned uh, a second ago. In fact, um, our topic for today mm-hmm. is, you know, one that we get uh, sometimes. A lot of times it comes as a statement more than a question, but it's something that I think a lot of people are, you know, that misunderstand um, and are really, you know, confused by. And, and it's not their fault uh, because a lot of times these things are not uh, so uh, so obvious. Yeah. So when you told me the topic, I thought of homophones of all things, right? Yeah. So two words that sound similar or sound the same, but mean different things. And so yeah. sometimes in our industry, we have these topics. Now, mm-hmm. the, these two words don't sound the same but they're used synonymously yes. by a lot of people and they mean something drastically different. Absolutely. So what what two words are we talking about, Yeah, Stephen? so today I want to talk to everybody, it's everybody in the show about the difference between fees and costs. Fees and costs. Fees and costs. That's right. The myths and misconceptions of fees and costs when it comes to investing. Hmm. And I think this is something that a lot of people, uh, like I mentioned a second ago, are confused by. They really don't under, you understand a lot of times the difference between between the two, they know intrinsically that, you know, there's got to be a cost associated with free investing mm-hmm. and so forth. And so uh, I, I want to address a few of those things today. Um, before we get into that, you know, there, there's the old statement, um, you know, there is no such thing as a free lunch. <laughs> okay. And uh, in reality, that is true. There really is nothing that's free. All investments have a cost, you know, and sometimes it's a monetary cost. Sometimes it's a cost of time, you know, potentially and things like that. But every single investment does have a cost, whether or not something is worth the price that you're going to pay, whether that's a cost or a fee, whether or not something is worth the price is based on the value received for it. Mm. So it doesn't mean that just because investments involve fees or that investments involve cost mean that either one of those are wrong. Yeah, value determines worthiness. And that's really one of the key principles. Value determines worthiness. Is the price that you're paying worth the value that you're receiving? And that's a great question for anybody to ask when it comes to investment management. But a lot of times people don't know what they're paying. And so that's really a big problem in the industry. And that is, there's not a lot of transparency around what, you know, what costs are associated with investing and what fees people might be paying. And certainly from our perspective, you know, at Wise Wealth, our clients, you know, we, we try to make that explicitly in a very clear. Uh, it's something that's not hidden and something that they can see. And so, you know, generally, I like to look at this as the difference between a fee and a cost. The difference between a fee and a cost is that typically a fee is something that you see. A cost 
is something that you feel, mm-hmm. okay? A fee is something that you see. A, a cost is something that you feel. In other words, a lot of times, cost of investing are what we call hidden costs. Mm-hmm. They're baked in to the investment and the way you feel it is in your returns. You may look at an investment and say, this investment has no fees. In other words, there's nothing I can see that comes out of here. But in reality, there may be a cost inside of that investment that you don't see, but you feel it because it comes out in your net return. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. And so, you know, I would just ask you, you know, Paul, if you want to answer this your question for the audience, it's, it's kind of like a, uh, a rhetorical question, but which is better mm-hmm. paying no fees, but earning 6% per year or paying a 1% fee, but earning per year. Yeah. Take a minute Mm. to think about that. Would you rather have no fees, but earn 6% or pay a 1% fee and earn seven? So is the seven before or after the fee? After the fee. After the fee. Well, Hmm. That's challenging. (laughs) Exactly. You know, so, you know, again, and and a lot of times what we're going to talk about this day, a lot of times you can earn even, you know, more than that Mm -hmm. by paying the fee. And so really there's three I'm going to go into today. Uh, There's three really misconceptions about fees and costs uh, that I want to talk about today. One is I can save money by investing on my own directly through a mutual fund company and pay no fees. Yeah. So a lot of people think they can go, you know, directly, let's say to, you know, Vanguard or something like this, or, you know, Fidelity or whatever, and buy directly into their funds. And you can and literally pay no fees. And so in the world of investing, a lot of times people go to an investment advisor and and that investment advisor is either going to charge commissions or fees. The commission is something that they charge you upfront when you purchase funds. A lot of times this is five and 6%. You pay it up front. Um, and then you pay maybe less fees over time. Sometimes people charge no fees up front. They just charge 1% on the assets they manage over time. But then, you know, sometimes people look at that and say, okay, I, if I want professional advice, I either have to pay someone a fee or I have to pay someone a commission. But I, if I go directly to the mutual fund company, I don't have to pay any fees or commissions. Exactly. Therefore, I'm probably going to do better with my investments and save money. Well, yeah, because it's, it becomes so easy just to pick what you know is going to work, right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So what I want to address with everybody today is the cost of investing. So here's what happens when you buy into you know mutual funds. For example, all mutual funds have what they call an expense ratio. This is a measure of what it costs to manage the fund expressed as a percentage. It is based on the total assets invested in the fund and is calculated annually. This fee is typically paid out of fund assets, but you will not be billed for it. And that's another big difference between a fee and a cost. The fee is something you get billed for. Cost is nothing that you actually get a bill for. And so one of the things you have to look at a lot of times when you're buying into, let's say, directly the mutual funds is, what, what is the internal expense ratio of those funds? Uh, what is it costing me per year to be an owner inside of that fund, even though it's a fee that I don't see? That's one big factor. Another one is what all mutual funds charge to market their funds. It's called a 12B1 fee. So all mutual funds have 12B1 fees, and that's what they use to advertise in market and promote their funds. Uh, We've talked about this before. You know, I I look at the world of mutual funds um, and it's just interesting to me. You you have all these massive, incredibly talented mutual fund companies that have all this research and all these resources. And literally you look at their funds lineup and they have hundreds of mutual funds. 
I always think to myself, if they really actually knew what they were doing, if they actually knew how to pick stock, there would only be one fund. Yeah. Every fund family should have one. These are the stocks that you should own. But no, they have all kinds of them because they're in the business of selling their funds. And the way they get money to sell their funds is through the people that own their funds. And there's an expense in there called the 12B1 fee. And a lot of times there's annual custodian fees. Some custodians, when you're directly to a, uh, a mutual fund company, will have custodian fees. And then there are sometimes loads and commissions. A load is a commission that you pay to a, a, a broker, someone who mm -hmm. buys and sells mutual funds for you. A lot of times you have to pay them. But if you go direct, you may be able to eliminate that, but you still have 12B1 fees, you still have expense ratios that 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 is baked into your uh, your ownership, but you don't fee, uh, see it, but you feel it. So to clarify, just uh, to make sure I understand mm -hmm. too, and our listeners understand, when you talk about a fee is something that you're charged mm -hmm. and a cost is not something you're charged, but, uh, you know, or build, I think mm -hmm. is the word yes. you use. And so what you're talking about is like when you look at a statement, it's a line item on the statement. Not right. not necessarily that I have to pay that out of my own pocket. It right. might still come out of the out of your account. Yeah, exactly. Fees are typically you know withdrawn from a person's account. Yeah, they don't write yeah. a check for that. Okay, uh, but a cost they don't even write a check and they don't ever see it. Yeah, so they feel like that's, they're not paying that's anything. The trick, right? You there. know that's the difference. And so a lot of times you may pay someone a fee or even a commission to get funds that have lower. Expense ratios, mm. it may be lower, it may be no 12B1 costs associated with that. I like looking at, you know, Vanguard. Vanguard, by the way, is an outstanding mutual fund company. I love Vanguard. Mm -hmm. I think they're great. They've got great funds. Uh, but they do a study called Advisor Alpha, and they look at their clients that own their mutual funds, Vanguard, mm -hmm. the clients that go directly to Vanguard and buy funds on their own. And they look at the clients that use Vanguard funds through an advisor in that pay an advisor a fee. So think about this for a minute. Someone has $100,000, they go directly to Vanguard and they're not going to pay a fee. Mm -hmm. The other person goes to a financial advisor, pays them a 1% fee, and that advisor uses all Vanguard funds. Yeah. Naturally, the person might think to myself, why would I pay someone a 1% fee when I can go directly to Vanguard and buy these same funds? Well, the reason is because an advisor has a value that you cannot see, but it comes out in returns. And literally, what I love about Vanguard is this study, they quantify it. They quantify the value of having an advisor, an advisor that does several things right, though. An advisor that has proper asset allocation, uh, they rebalance the portfolio, uh, they're using a diversified portfolio, and most importantly, they protect the investor from emotional investing you know, behavioral coaching, being mm -hmm. disciplined, uh, maintaining your allocations, maintaining your approach regardless of market conditions. So literally, Vanguard does a study and they say when they look at all the various factors of the uh, clients that go directly through them versus the clients that use an advisor, they say that the potential value added of using an advisor is about 3% per year. And what I love wow. about the study is that Vanguard has no vested interest. Uh -uh. You don't have to use an advisor to Vanguard, but what they're saying is the people who save the 1% fee get about 3% less per year in returns. How is that possible? Yeah, that is amazing. And the reason that's possible is because most people are 
they they tend to be emotional with their investing. They tend to buy mm. and sell. They tend to get in, they get out. They overweight, they underweight. And I'm going to come to another point about that later on. But the point here is that don't just assume that you can go directly to a mutual fund company, avoid paying a fee, let's say to an advisor. Um, and therefore you're going to, you're going to be ahead by 1% per year. The actual studies, the actual results say you're actually worse off by literally 3% per year by saving the 1% per year fee. So that's number one. Uh, so that first misconception is that I can go directly to the mutual fund company and pay quote unquote, no fees. Yeah, that's interesting. So you're taking a, a report yeah. that looks at the data and yes. strips the emotion out of it. Yep. And it says when you have an advisor that helps look at the data, the investing the right way mm -hmm. and strips the emotion out of it, it's worth on average 3% more, yep. even though you're paying a fee. Even though you're paying a fee. And, and when you look wow. at the actual numbers, and they literally quantify each category. So behavioral coaching is one and a half percent of that 3% fee. Wow. Yeah. So just by that alone, just by having an advisor that you can talk to that can give you advice that can really encourage you to stay disciplined. And I feel like that's a large part of our job, the value you receive, right? So in other words, when we put together a plan for our clients, we say, look, this is the amount of money that you can afford to have at risk. This is the amount of money you cannot afford to have at risk. Hmm. So the money you can have afford, afford to have at risk, here's the allocation. We're going to rebalance the portfolio. We're going to maintain this, you know, this structure, this, uh, these allocations, these percentages, because we know how that's going to perform long-term. If you don't have that person, it's going to be easy to say, well, you know, things are different this time. It's going to be easy to mm -hmm. go in and say, well, I'm going to move to their lower aggressive fund. And then when the market comes back, you know, I'm going to go back to, you know, a more, you know, aggressive stance. And it's easy to do. And by the way, this is the reason why a lot of times people want to do it on their own because they don't want anybody to tell them uh, well, no, you should say, you know, invest in the stock market, even when it's going down. Mm -hmm. But the reality is it's worth it. If you've got a solid plan in place, if you're going to be an investor, you either got to be in or you've got to be out. Uh, you, you have to determine whether you're a long-term or, or not. Mm. Uh, you know what I mean? That's part of investing. You can't say, well, I'm an investor. I'm a long-term investor. But as soon as the market goes down 10%, well, do you think we should do anything different? Well, no. <laughs> no, I don't think I should do anything different because I'm looking at this five years or longer. In, in reality, the whole point of this whole you know discussion we're having right now is that that discipline is worth literally you know, percentages of rates of return long-term. And those are facts. This is a quantifiable analysis yeah. done by, you know, Vanguard. And that's it. And it's because, as we know, everyone is listening to someone. Mm -hmm. So the question is, who are you listening right. to? Yep, that's right. And so they say investor behavior is worth one and a half percent, maybe asset allocations worth another, you know, 40 basis. So all these things add up. And so that the other problem is sometimes when people build investment portfolios on their own is, you know, they tend to leave out certain asset classes. Uh, they send, tend to overweight and underweight. They still tend to try to time the market. There's all these things that go into it that mm. hinder your performance just because you didn't want to pay a fee. So it all matters. The rebalancing of the portfolio matters. Mm -hmm. uh, proper asset allocation, proper diversification, low correlation, all these things we've talked about in previous, you know, podcasts but it comes out in return. So number one is I can save money by investing on my own directly through a mutual fund company and pay no fees, air quotes. Mm. And number two is I can save money by keeping my money in the 401k where there are no fees. Oh yeah, no fees. <laughs> oh yeah, I, air quotes. <laughs> the 401k has 
no fees. Yeah. Uh, you know, there was a report recently, you know, this is an, an Investopedia, mm-hmm. the premier, you know, uh, informational resource for, you know, investments and uh, financial terms. Uh, the, the, the study said that 37% of people didn't realize they paid any fees at all in their 401k. And you know why that is, Paul? Why is that? Because they can't see it. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> right. They can't see it. Yeah. So I'm not paying any fees. There's, I, but when I, if I go to this, um, uh, a financial advisor, they may charge me a 1% fee and I'm going to see it. I'm going to see it every quarter come out of the portfolio. So therefore I don't see that in the 401k, which means it doesn't cost me anything. You see what I'm saying? This <laughs> yeah. is the misconception that people have, but there are two key 401k plan fees. Finding those fees and costs in there is not easy. Mm. Understanding them is even harder. Okay. So, but the most firmly entrenched of these fees is what I mentioned earlier, and that is the 12B1 fee. Every mutual fund has 12B1 fees, you know, marketing fees and distribution fees. And that's paid to the people who market these funds to your employer to try to get them into your plan. 12B1 fees charged by individual funds are separate from investment management fees, which are cut to the 401k provider. That's what he takes for himself. So you have a custodian, you have a 401k provider. They have fees. They don't manage people's 401ks accounts for nothing. These are massive organizations that manage people's 401ks. There's a fee and a cost associated with it. There's a fee and a cost associated with administration. They don't do all that for free. There's a cost for administration. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's a cost for implementation. There's a cost for accounting. There is a cost for the funds themselves. So there are some costs inside of 401ks that people don't typically see, but they do feel. Um, And 401k plan fees can vary greatly depending on the size of the employer's 401k plan Mm -hmm. and the number of participants in the plan provider. For example, one study found that large plans that have more than $100 million in assets almost uniformly have fees below 1%. Mm. But small plans are a different story. Average fees for small plans with under $100 million in assets were between 1.5% and 2% per year in fees. And a lot of plans with less than $50 million in assets were paying more than 2% a year in fees. But nobody would know that. 37% of people think they pay no fees, okay? Mm -hmm. But inside of your 401k, there are, you just have to understand there is a fee. What can you do about it? There's really not much you can do about it. The main thing you can do is inside your 401k is try to find the funds that have very low expense ratios. There's always going to be a fee for doing business in a 401k. You may not see it. Um, you're going to feel it, but the, the, really, I would say the one main thing a client can do, uh, because you have to invest in the 401k to get the match. Um, and it gives you a higher, you know, contribution limit than the 401k can. So for example, this year you can do $20,500 in a 401k if you're, you know, under age 50, um, or $27,000 if you're over age 50. So there's a lot of high, higher contribution limits in a 401k. So what do you do in there? Uh, because you're limited to what your employer offers you. You look at the expense ratios and find funds with the lowest uh, types of expense ratios for the asset class that you need. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I would also talk to an advisor and uh, they can help you because you still need to have proper asset allocation. You need to have proper diversica- diversification and you still need to be disciplined. And the reason why a lot of times people underperform in their 401ks is because they are not getting professional advice. They don't have an investor behavior coach mm-hmm. telling them, hey, do not go to cash. 
<laughs> uh, do not, you should not be in the money market account when you're 40 years old and those kinds of things uh, and making sure your investments are match your risk tolerance objectives and goals, even inside the 401k. And, you know, so when we talk about the 401ks and the statements, obviously, like we talked, like you talked about before, there is no such thing as a bad product. So mm -hmm. they, they're fantastic products. Yeah. They're, they're great options that people have, mm -hmm. but there are limits to, you just have to understand how it works because Sometimes, especially, not only that, you, you can't see mm -hmm. that you're doing something wrong. Right. Because not only do they not report all the costs that you're yep. paying, but they also sometimes have a weird calculation of how the returns are reported. Yeah. And so when you're putting money in, you might be not invested the right way, but yeah. all you're seeing are returns because you're growing your account. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And that's really, that's good because that, that's another misconception out there. And it's kind of related to, you know, fees and costs, but it mm -hmm. is something that's extremely important that we see a lot of times. So, you know, related to the 401k, some people assume, why pay no fees? Why would I roll the money out of the 401k to an IRA? Mm -hmm. In the IRA, I'm going to pay a fee. In the 401k, I'm not paying a fee. So number one, just realize that is not true. Yeah, uh, There are fees in the 401k. There's costs that you don't see, but you brought up a good point. And that is something that we see a lot. Um, and that is some people look at their 401ks and they, they scratch their head and think, how is the 401k, you know, performing so well, but my IRA over here is not performing as well. Mm -hmm. And I look at it a lot of times and you were invested in the same exact stock market. Mm -hmm. So you know, the same exact stock market in the IRA is the same exact stock market in the 401k. The 401k cannot perform better than the IRA if they're both in the same stock, you know, portfolio, let's say, mm -hmm. same asset allocation. So what is the difference? The difference is one is, is that most people are adding to the 401k. Mm -hmm. A lot of times people's IRAs are stagnant. They're there, they're invested. So however the market performs is how their IRA is performing. Yep. But in the 401k, something's happening every quarter, every two weeks. You're adding <laughs> money to it. You're constantly buying into it. So that's going to affect the returns. But then also one of the things that, you know, one of my pet peeves, and I want to get off uh, track here because <laughs> you're going to light my fire here. You know, one of the things that bothers me about 401k performance reporting is they never, they, they hardly ever tell you the performance of the funds that you're in themselves. They always tell you your personal investment performance, mm -hmm. which always, always means what you started with, uh, the value of the performance of the investments up or down, plus what you added in. So like you said, it always is skewed to look like it's outperforming everything else because they add in your additional investments. Mm -hmm. Whereas no other investment accounts, you know, do that. You can typically find out well, how did the actual investments perform in the 401k. They say how you did how how is your balance performed, which includes not only investments, but also what you added to it. Mm -hmm. And so people sometimes get confused and they think, well, somehow my 401k just always goes up. And uh, ever since I bought this IRA, now, now I'm losing money. Well, you were losing money in the 401k too, but you didn't know it because you were adding money into it and therefore it was balancing each other out. So that's another misconception. Yeah, you can have that, you know, skewed perception. Yes. But then also, like I was saying, the point is you might not be invested the right way, right, but you're not exactly. going to know that. That's right. Because everything's a little... Yep. Different. And all of this really comes down to, you know, especially when someone looks at it and they just feel like, you know what, um, I'm 59 and a half. I could roll my 401k over to an IRA, but I don't want to do that because supposedly this is free. 
And over here, this I pay a fee. And so we just have to get that misconception out of our mind. So, uh, so far, there's two, and I need to get <laughs> to the last one pretty quickly here. <laughs> Number one, I can save money by investing on my own directly through a mutual fund company and pay, quote unquote, no fees. Yep. Number two, I can save money by keeping my money in the 401k where there are no fees. Mm. And number three, I can save money by investing online through a robo-advisor because, mm. Paul, there are no fees. No fees. Exactly. <laughs> Quote unquote, there are no fees. Uh, but the real issue with all three of these approaches is ultimately, Paul, the person in the mirror. Mm -hmm. Honestly and truly, you know, the, the biggest hindrance to investment success is usually the person that we see in the mirror. And the reason why robo advisors don't work is because they have a brain but they don't have a heart. You know, that's one thing we like to tell people. You need to talk to someone that has a heart, not just a brain, mm -hmm. preferably someone who has both. Okay. And, and, but then also the other problem with the robo advisor is that it leaves it pretty much up to you. Mm -hmm. Okay. And, and even though we think we, we all know a lot about <laughs> the way stock market work and investing, we typically don't, and we need someone else. And so what I like to refer to is a study that's done by Dalbar. Dalbar is a research firm. Mm -hmm. It's the nation's leading financial services market research firm. Since 1994, Dalbar's quantitative analysis of investor behavior, we kind of talked about this earlier where Vanguard does a study, but Dalbar does one independent of any mutual fund companies, mm. has measured the effects of investor decisions to buy, sell, and switch into and out of mutual funds over short and long-term timeframes. These effects are measured from the perspective of the investor and do not represent the performance of the investments themselves. The results consistently show that mm -hmm. the average investor earns less, and in many cases, much less than mutual fund performance reports would suggest. Wow. So what does all this mean? It means that investors are usually their own worst enemies. Mm -hmm. This is typically demonstrated by moving in and out of the market, changing allocations, overweighting and underweighting asset classes. The problem is with the old adage, don't just stand there do something. Okay. <laughs> but when it comes to stock market investing, one of the smartest things you can do is just stand there and do nothing. Okay. And so really it comes down to investor behavior. The reason what Dalbar does is again, let's just use an example of hundred thousand dollars. They look at individual investors accounts, investors who do not have a financial advisor and they're not paying a fee. And they look at their performance versus not versus just the stock market indexes, S&P 500, a 60-40 portfolio. They just measure individual investor performance versus the indexes. And you know what they find every year now, Paul, since 1994, almost 30 years. Hmm. What's that? That the average investor's returns is always, it always has been over 10-year mm -hmm. periods of times, way underperformed in the S&P 500, a 60-40 portfolio. It always underperforms. It's never happened yet where they've looked at these studies and found that an individual investor outperformed even a stock market index. And do you know why that is? I do, but I would love for yeah. you to tell our audience. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Uh, yes, it's because of investor behavior. This mm -hmm. is what they found. People tend to buy and sell. They get in, they get out. They overweight, they underweight. And even though there is no fee to do it, it is costing people seriously in the hundreds of thousands of dollars in returns, mm -hmm. in percentage points in returns over time. 
because people, you know, if they get scared, they, they invest based on fear or greed. They invest based on what they, you know, know and feel confident about or confirmation bias, or they invest based on their fear of missing out. Someone told them they got to have this investment or they're going to miss out on the next big thing. There's all these reasons why human behavior and human emotions negatively impact investment performance. And so people a lot of times say, I'm going to go to, or I'm going to go online. I'm going to be able to do this from home. I don't have to talk to an advisor. I don't have to pay anybody. I can do this. I'm going to save myself 1% per year in fees. Mm -hmm. and, and I just want to let everybody know that it is costing people most of the time a lot more than the 1% or maybe the 1.5% with the pay for other management fees inside there to do it on their own because a lot of times we are our own worst enemy. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, we don't have anybody to guide us, to tell us to stay disciplined and even just staying in, a, in the S&P 500. Mm -hmm. But it's very difficult for people to do that when the market's going down. And here's the thing, last thing, point I want to make is, and that is in the stock market, if you miss, and we've looked at these studies before, if you miss the best five days in the market, mm -hmm. the best 10 days in the market in a given year, I mean, your rate of return mm -hmm. is so far less than everybody else on an annual basis, but especially over looking back over five years and 10 year periods of time. That's why we always tell everybody, look, you have to either be in or not in. You need to have a plan. Your plan needs to say whether or not you need the money for short-term expenses mm -hmm. and therefore don't take risk. You need to know if this plan calls for needing income or you need to know if this plan calls for letting your money grow. And if that's the case, you really, really, really have to have a strategy, a diversified strategy and stay disciplined. Because mm -hmm. if you go to cash and you overweight and you underweight and you try to time all these things and you miss out even on the best five days of the year, you yeah. are going to significantly feel it in the returns. Well, and so let's just drive this home for our listening audience. If we think back recent history, right? Because when it comes to stock market investing, for some reason, we all forget long-term yeah. history, right? We remember short-term stuff. Mm -hmm. But just two years ago, mm -hmm. when COVID hit, yeah. what happened to the stock market in yeah. March and April of 2020? Yeah. January, February, and March, literally the stock market was down around 25%. Yeah. The average investor says, I can't handle this anymore. Yep. Let's go to cash. And then they missed out. So between April and uh, December of that year, we're talking about, you know, 45, 50. It was a massive return from that point. Mm -hmm. So you ended up the year with a you know, incredibly positive return, but it didn't seem like it was going to be that way. Mm -hmm. It didn't feel like it was going to be that way. Everything said, well, this is unknown. We've never had this one before, mm -hmm. uh, a worldwide pandemic, you know what I mean? But the people that remain disciplined won. Mm -hmm. They won big time. And I will say that this time was different in the history of investing. I mean, generally speaking, most people said this time we're not going to get burned and they stayed in, which, which was really cool. Yeah. Our clients are, by the way, are an exception. Our clients follow the rules. And I want to say that. So if you're, if you're a client of Wise Well, listening to this podcast today, all of you, for the most part, you know, tend to follow the right patterns of behavior. You stay disciplined mm -hmm. and then mainly because you've got a plan everything comes down to that. Yes. You know, as we know, it's really the people that don't have a plan are not getting advice because they don't want to pay a fee. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So don't fall for the misconception that you pay no fees. There's always a cost, but get value for the fee that you're paying. Get a good coach, 
get mm-hmm. someone who you know, provides education and advice and financial planning. Absolutely. And, and, you know, one way, one easy way for people to do that is send us an email at info at simplifyyourretirement.com and request a copy of Stephen's book, Simplify Your Retirement. And a lot of these principles that we've been talking about over the last four seasons and even today that the clients of Wise Wealth have followed and are able to stay disciplined and not be the average investor are found in that book. And so all you have to do is send us an email at info at simplifyyourretirement.com, request a copy of that book, and we'd love to get that to you. You know, this has been a great episode, Stephen. You know, just understanding the difference between costs and fees. Mm -hmm. Both exist. Just because you can't see it doesn't mean it doesn't exist. Mm -hmm. I mean, we're breathing air in here and I can't see the air, (laughs) but it exists. Yes. Right. And so it's good to have that clarifying, uh, you know, the clarity that comes around that. And that goes along with even, you know, the philosophy of wise wealth, our slogan, first wisdom, then wealth. We have to understand these things. And so I appreciate all that you do for the clients, for the listening audience to be able to bring clarity and wisdom to these topics that are out there that people might not understand. So thank you for that, Stephen. And of course, our last thank you goes to you, the listening audience. You're the reason we do this. We wouldn't be here without you. We do thank you for tuning into the Simplify Your Retirement podcast with Stephen Strickland. If you haven't subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way, when Stephen comes out with a new podcast, he'll show up directly on your listening device. This also makes it much easier to share these podcasts with your friends and family. Again, thank you so much for listening today. For everyone at Wise Wealth, this is Paul Brock reminding you that financial peace comes from having a plan. And we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Simplify Your Retirement podcast. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Wise Wealth LLC or Simplify Your Retirement. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of a financial advisor or other qualified financial professionals with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning.